Hey, welcome to What's the Tea? I'm John Jang. I'll be your host as we try and tackle one of the biggest questions that you, the public, have asked about the SkyTrain for nearly four decades. Why doesn't the SkyTrain run all night? If I had to make a guess, I just because maybe not enough people use it. It's a good question, so do we have a good answer? Let's tap in to What's the Tea? The next station is... Welcome to What's the Tea, the TransLink podcast. TransLink is the regional transportation authority for Metro Vancouver, and that means you see us at work every single day, from the C-Bus and West Coast Express, to the many different buses on our roads, to perhaps the most iconic public transportation medium in our region, the SkyTrain. With over 300 train cars in service, BCRTC, or the British Columbia Rapid Transit Company, has a crucial role to play in transporting the thousands of people who depend on their service every single day. And since the SkyTrain launched in 1985, it has become an icon as a completely automated and fully electric mail system. But in the nearly four decades the SkyTrain has dutifully served the residents of Metro Vancouver, it has faced one very specific question that people still ask to this day. Why doesn't the SkyTrain run 24 hours? Closing time, open all the doors and let you out into the Now, before we hear from the experts, what do you think? Why does the SkyTrain have a daily service window instead of just running all day and all night? You've probably come up with a theory or two in the past. We tasked our very own Thor Dyke out to hit the streets and hear directly from customers like you. And here's what you had to say. Hey, it's Thor with TransLink. We're here on the system asking people why they think SkyTrain doesn't run 24 hours a day. Do you have a theory on why SkyTrain doesn't run all night? Um... I actually didn't know that, honestly. Um, I mean, maybe not enough users at night, because I don't use it at night, that's for sure. Why doesn't the SkyTrain run all night? Well, they have to do some maintenance sometime. Uh, there's not enough ridership to justify it. That's what I would expect, yeah. We're asking people why they think SkyTrain doesn't run 24 hours a day. There's a lot of different ideas around that, but why do you think it doesn't run all night? If I had to make a guess, I just because maybe not enough people use it. Uh, no, I have no idea. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay, a lot of different answers, some pretty solid theories in there, but are any of them correct? In order to solve one of Metro Vancouver's oldest transit mysteries, let's go directly to the expert who can finally crack the riddle. I appreciate the question, and, and I've had uh, some experience answering this question historically. Matt Doyle is the Vice President of Maintenance and Engineering for the BCRTC, Take it away, Matt. Yeah, the, the reality is as simple as we require time to do maintenance. Uh, it's the simple answer to a complex question, but in order to operate our trains and our tracks safely for uh, our traveling public, uh, we need that downtime to basically get into both the, the trains, the rolling stock, as well as into the track and guideway areas, uh, as well as all of the supporting systems and networks in order to uh, keep 
you know, high reliability, safe, safe operation for, uh, for our operating window. So if you've guessed maintenance, then give yourself a pat on the back. Very well done. Maybe you should be working for us. But what does that actually mean? What does maintenance look like every night? And why does it need to happen during those overnight hours? Yeah, we, we tend to use that in between as non-revenue window. So quite simply, the time where we're not running revenue service. So that non-revenue window is uh, basically, yeah, when we have safe access to, to the system, um, it's can be accessed multiple ways. So we'll kind of give a couple different scenarios uh, for, for the listeners to understand. Primarily for doing any type of repair work or any type of uh, we refer to as a linear, you know, visual inspection. Uh, we use special equipment. So we have railborne equipment that is uh, little speeders and uh, crane carts and other things, uh, including rail grinders that, that run on our system. And they actually operate on the exact same tracks that the revenue service operates on. Uh, we cannot have revenue service uh, operating at the same time due to safety and, and quite honestly, chance of uh, collision, etc. So that equipment, because of the nature of our guideway, needs to be launched from an area. So it tends to be launched from one of our OMCs, operational maintenance centers. You know, as, as the last revenue train is, is running, we start to uh, fill in behind that revenue train to, to launch our equipment, uh, get folks to the job site for that evening uh, or morning, I should say. It's usually around, you know, 1 a.m. in the morning through till, you know, four or five, depending on, on the day, uh, and gets crew, equipment, tools uh, to site to either inspect repair, maintain, or replace, uh, you know, the job for that day. So it sounds like your team obviously does a lot in those overnight hours. I'm wondering, is that even enough time? Like, does your team <laughs> have enough time every night to, to take care of everything they have to do? Uh, or would you ideally kind of want even a little bit more time to take yeah. care of everything? Yeah, you're going to get me in trouble here. But yeah, if we shut down the railway all the time, then I can keep maintenance going, <laughs> all, you know, the, the, the extreme. So uh, we, we've been um, pretty strategic in how we do that. So we basically staff up. We, we we have equipment that, that gets us to site and, and basically we design our maintenance regime around that uh, kind of a, the available non-revenue window. There are times, uh, and we, we try not to lean on this too much, but there are times where we do need to actually offer an alternative service. So people who ride the system in the evening uh, will notice for, for some years now we've been uh, running an alternative service uh different areas of the system to support some major rail replacement exercises. What this means is we, we use the term of single tracking. We basically run the revenue service around a section of our system and that gives the maintenance crews, uh, and other, uh, major works crews access to that area of track for a longer window. So again, for the, uh, one that's, that's most probably most prevalent for, for the listeners, uh, is our evening single tracking window Sunday nights, usually through Thursday nights. We, we kind of start single tracking. I believe it's around 2,100 hours uh, through end of service and basically uh, gets, you know, an extra three hours of, of track access to facilitate that critical work. So um, we can do a lot in that non-revenue window, but there are times uh, where we do need to, you know, farther disrupt our, our passenger service in order to keep the system safe. You know, I think a lot of people can relate to what maintenance is like because we all live somewhere. We all know what it's like cleaning the house or the apartment. It takes time. And sometimes we just dedicate like one day of the week to doing it. For me, it's a Sunday. I'm a Sunday cleaning guy. But maybe take us into the challenge of maybe working and maintaining a system that was made all those years ago. Yeah. So uh, with any any kind of major infrastructure works, there is, uh, you know, your, your normal maintenance regime is consists of inspection, preventative maintenance. So kind of utilizing your house example, that's when you're doing your, you know, your, your dusting, your cleaning, wash the dishes, put the dishes in the dishwasher, uh, your day-to-day -day maintenance. Uh, as the, you know, 
asset ages or as your your home ages, then you need to start doing more work. You need to start replacing the roof. You need to repaint the the siding. You need to do you know all this other type of stuff. So we are seeing that uh, for a lot of our systems are you know have reached end of age. And, and actually, in the last I would say ten years, we've actually replaced a lot of our systems. And and people may not have actually realized that, but that's you know happening under. Uh, under the trains uh, that, that run on the rails, so the rail almost you know, all the way from waterfront to Scott Road has has been replaced, over, you know, or is in process of being replaced over the last ten years. Uh, we've replaced a lot of our, our turnouts. Uh, we've upgraded a lot of our technology. Uh, you know, you see some of that in the stations with with new screens. But in order to get those new screens, you know, there's new cable being run. You know, we've upgraded from analog, uh, you know, cable to fiber optic cable to support the transmission of the you know camera signals back to our our control center uh be able to facilitate the communication whether to those nice screens the uh, you know the passenger information displays or to the you know pas in the station um so all that stuff is is things that have been basically upgraded you know <laughs> underneath the the train uh so to speak over over the last number of years and unfortunately will need to continue to happen um as we as we age the system the next key kind of pieces of infrastructure is starting to replace our power system. So we get lucky enough, we you know run on electricity, we get a lot of hydropower through BC Hydro, but that goes into substations and switching equipment that is uh, reaching end of life and we'll be starting to replace that. Luckily for our traveling public, that is something that can be happen kind of behind the scenes. Uh, it doesn't require the system shutdowns that we see, but there's always going to be uh, you know a chance that we need to increase maintenance windows to facilitate those those types of operations. When your work is unnoticed, that's actually a good thing. I was just going to say that, John, and I recall actually speaking at a, I want to say a board or a, a public meeting uh, back, you know, in, early in my tenure with SkyTrain and success for us is no one knew we were there. And, and it's a little bit of a weird mantra and it's something that, you know, it can be challenging to, to kind of get the recognition because ultimately the only time people know we're there is when something hasn't happened. Uh, if we do our job, people go, you know, ask the questions, why can't we run 24-7? I never see anybody out there. I never see anything happening. You know, that's when I actually, you know, give my team a pat on the back saying perfect no one knew we were there we're successful you know stealthily in stealthily out you guys are like a team of commandos basically every (laughs) night just making sure you do your job with respect to the skytrain cars themselves i don't know how many people realize the work that goes into just making sure they're clean and you know when people get into them and sit down that it's a pleasant experience beginning to end Um, i had a chance to go down and tour uh, your facility and i saw what it was like to kind of see the cars from underneath and get a look inside. And clearly there's a lot of work that goes into that as well. How long does it take on average, if you can maybe give me that number, that figure to simply clean one single SkyTrain car to make sure it's good to go? Yeah, uh, that's that's a good question. I know that every car gets cleaned daily. So basically every every vehicle goes through our, our um, vehicle cleaning and inspection facility at, at our two OMCs uh, and actually gets a, a quick clean. I want to say it's in the order of you know, five to 10 minutes per car to, to do a regular cleaning. Unfortunately, there are times when, you know, a deeper clean is required and, and that will be dealt with. Uh, but we're basically have a, you know, a team of cleaners that descend again, you know, similar to our maintenance window where you basically staff up to match the available window. So, you know, we, we throw more resources at it to capture that, that short window that we have. I think it's in the order of about five minutes per car that we spend, uh, you know, and then the next train comes in and, you know, it's a, 
kind of a ballet that happens between the between the clean lanes where, where people go back and forth. Uh, and that's just to keep the cleanliness of the cars for, for the public. Obviously, the trains themselves have their own maintenance regime. Uh, they're into the shop uh, at minimum every six weeks uh, in order for a full inspection and then different maintenance regimes that, that, that go through to, one, keep them, again, safe and reliable, but also to get them to last their design life. I think our Mark 1s are are close to reaching end of life. Uh, they'll be retired soon. Uh, we're, we're, we're both, re- you know, little bit of regret seeing them you know go go away but also excited to see new new vehicles come and new technology so yeah the mark ones i mean hey they've been they've been doing their thing for a very long time i don't think anyone can ever say that they didn't live up to what they were supposed to do good for the mark ones they get to retire at some point and keep their heads held up high um talking about your team of commandos matt like on average do we know how many people are working on the system every night and maybe people can get an appreciation of what kind of work that really means. Uh, we have our own staff, so there's probably about 120 staff that are working uh, most evenings. Uh, that's just the maintenance side. There's obviously the you know our control room operates 24/7, so there's there's the control uh, folks that are there. But because of the nature of the investment that, that's underway, both in renewing our, our aging assets, but also looking at the expansion and growth, uh, there's a you know a team of, of con- contracted staff that are that are working on the system every single evening. And the number of unique work sites can be upwards of two to three dozen different work activities underway in a single non-revenue window in order to kind of keep everything up up and going and, and get us ready for for that morning service. We now know like how big that team is and the important work they do every night, but I'm sure there's also like daytime counterparts who kind of do a lot of the prep work. So wh- how big is that particular team if we have a ballpark figure for that? Yeah, so the overall maintenance division is in the order of about 400 uh, individuals, 400 employees. Uh, and we, we do actually, we do, we do a lot of work during the day. So I appreciate that the, you know, this, this discussion has been around, uh, kind of that non-revenue window and, and what that avails and why we need that. But there's actually a lot of work that happens during the day. We can inspect, uh, we can inspect some track during the day where we have the ability to get safe, uh, safe access for visual inspections. Uh, a lot of our train cars can be maintained during, uh, during the day, uh, you know, trains that aren't, aren't in revenue service. Uh, but then the, you know, there's, there's teams that are involved in planning that, that night window, uh, uh, we have, you know, planners, schedulers, uh, you know, safety reviews of, of safe work practices. You know, we're, we're prepping equipment, prepping materials uh, to, to be prepared to be deployed. Uh, sometimes we're, you know, we're driving to a site and, and, you know, leaving things below and, and pulling things up, for, you know, in, in that non-revenue window. So, um, yeah, large swath of folks that are, um, you know, doing the work to uh, basically to try to minimize customer impact, maximize the opportunities we have to, to do the maintenance for required uh, in the windows that we have in order to you know keep keep providing the the safer and reliable service that we're all very proud of so matt final question uh, what are things that people should know when it comes to maintaining the skytrain and the and the entire system really from top to bottom yeah, I think uh, just really would love people to see the the pride that all of our employees take in the work that they do, and and the the volume of effort that's required to keep the system safe, keep the system reliable, and that just speaks to the profes- professionalism, uh, quality, and just the competency of of the crews that are out there every single day, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, wind rain, snow, sun, uh, you know, they, they do it all and they do it to, to keep the system uh, running and they're very proud of it and I'm very proud of them.
Now you're probably saying, wait a minute, John, there are systems that run 24 seven. And you're right. Parts of the New York City subway runs 24 hours. Select lines of the London Underground provide 24 hour service on Fridays and Saturdays. The Copenhagen Metro operates 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So why can't Metro Vancouver Skytrain simply run 24 hours? TransLink runs a very high-frequent service on the SkyTrain. It's a high-demand piece of infrastructure. David Cooper is the principal at Leading Mobility Consulting. His team works with transportation agencies from all over North America. And Coop is able to provide some fascinating insights when comparing how we do things here in Metro Vancouver with other cities that do offer 24-hour service. The challenge with 24-hour SkyTrain is that in order to have all around the clock services, you need to have redundancy in the network. So if you look at the subway system in New York City, for instance, they have many lines that are four track. And if you go down to the subway, you'll see very kind of complicated signs. I'll say at, you know, at, at nighttime, you'll take this line for this segment, you'll take that line for that segment, because they're trying to maximize the track infrastructure and station infrastructure they have because there's redundancy in the neighbor in, in the in the network there. There's very little track time available for maintenance staff to check on switches to do uh, tactical equipment um, maintenance in a very short period of time. You know, the last SkyTrain leaves Waterfront Station at 1.16 in the morning and got a, has to run all the way down to King George and then come back to the to the operations center at Edmonds, and you really only have about two, three hours to do very core work to make sure you have service the next service day. Redundancy in this case means having extra tracks. So as an example, if you had four tracks, you could theoretically close two of them so that your maintenance crews can get in place to work while running train service on the remaining two open tracks. That being said, the SkyTrain is a growing technology and a growing infrastructure in Metro Vancouver. Consider the Broadway subway project or the Surrey Langley SkyTrain project. For Matt and the rest of the team in maintenance and engineering, they're up to that task. It is exciting for us to face that challenge. Uh, it is a challenge. It is going to be a big challenge. How we kind of adapt our work processes, what new technology we can invest in, you know, how we keep staff trained uh, and how we keep staff current and able to do that work is is an exciting challenge. Uh, you know, we, we have two two primary goals here at SkyTrain at the moment. One is to maintain our excellent daily service, and the second one is to, to build for the future, and those are both our number one priorities. And I think that speaks to both the complexity and the excitement that we're seeing uh, here is how do we continue to, to meet our existing uh, customer expectations and exceed, uh, as well as ensure that we're successful for uh, this really exciting expansion that's underway at the moment. No, the SkyTrain doesn't run 24 hours, but what it does do is connect us. It takes us to school, to work, to family dinners, sporting events, concerts, festivals, gatherings, and everything else in between. Because like I said, it has become one of Metro Vancouver's most iconic sights and sounds, and one of our most reliable modes of transportation. Thanks for joining us here on What's the Tea. Don't forget to subscribe to catch the very next episode. And hey, if you want to get in touch, you can always send us an email, podcast at translink.ca. That's podcast at translink.ca. We accept questions, comments, concerns, and even compliments. Yeah, believe it or not. My thanks to Matt Doyle, Vice President of Maintenance and Engineering, and Alex Jackson, Senior Internal Communications Advisor, plus the entire team at BCRTC for helping to make this episode possible. Special thanks to our producer, Alan Tung, the entire digital content team at TransLink, and you for listening. 
I've been your host, John Jang. Until next time, have a safe trip. We've become all too familiar with problems. It's time we're introduced to some solutions. The Transit-Friendly Employer Certification exists to support and promote transit use, one of the easiest, most effective actions we can take to address climate action and livability. Organizations that provide a 50% transit subsidy will receive this certification. The time to act is now. Become a transit-friendly employer today.